Hey Grinder, my name is Jacob, and in 2019, I miserably failed to achieve my goals. As a result, I set out to create a goal-oriented accountability group with my friends, Keaton and Ben. Our group has benefited so much from our weekly meetings that we decided we could not keep it to ourselves. This is Strictly Business, an accountability podcast composed of a dirty capitalist, a mountain climbing basketball coach, and an offbeat filmmaker who are actively seeking out the best ideas and strategies to aid us and you on our journey in accountability and the pursuit of personal success. Hey everybody, it's Jacob, the guy from the intro. Man, I sounded good. You sure did, Jacob. Thanks, Keith. I think you sound, you sound good every time. I don't know how you deliver that introduction so consistently every time. Yeah, uh, you know, I have a podcast for more than six months and it just comes naturally to you. I'm sure you could do the same. Boy, that that's really empowering of you uh, to say. I, I don't know. Maybe if I tried it, I'd be good at it, but it doesn't seem like I would be at this point. Well, I, you know... I'd, pro- I'd probably fail. Yeah, I was going to say, I've failed so many tri- times trying it that I've uh, kind of got it down to a science now. Yeah, so it was it was my job to to study failure, and I found two case studies that I think did a really good job of saying all the sciencey things that Keaton, Ben, and I just couldn't get to and couldn't understand. So I'm gonna I'm gonna go into those things now. The first was by Deshaun Wang and his colleagues at Northwestern University, and it they called it they called failure the essential prerequisite for success. Damn. So before you succeed, you gotta fail. And in this study, they they studied two different groups and. I don't think with a million guesses you would ever guess these. They studied both startups and terrorist attacks. So <laughs> it's ridiculous. Um, so and what they found is that what separates the winners from the losers is not persistence. So the people who succeeded and the people who failed tried the same number of times to achieve their goals. But what does matter is the speed at which you fail. So you have to figure out what works and what doesn't. So it's super important to when you first start trying something, fail as much as you can early on. And then as you learn, you're going to start failing less and less. So it's fail a lot right at first. And then as time goes on, you refine and learn from your failures. Hmm. So is there, was there an essence of like learning, learn things the hard way? Is there, is there some? Well, it's it's like, yeah, like you should just expect failure. And instead of being like, oh, man, I failed. Like, don't let it get you down. Just try like immediately go back into trying again, especially early on. So it's safe to say, like, instead of waiting until you have everything figured out, you should just start. Right. Like, just start, fail, be like, what went wrong there? Just try again. Be like, OK, I'm going to try it and fix what went wrong there and just try again. Okay. This seems to have shades of uh, having a positive mindset. It definitely has shades of that. Um, it's all about, yeah, it's being an optimist, but it's also like being like, okay, I failed. Why is that? I'm going to go do it again really fast. So, so there's that level of analysis. Wait, can you tell me about these terrorists versus startups? Yeah, I was, I, was, I was just about to. So for for the startups, success was whether an, uh, an IPO or there's a high value merger acquisition. So it's like if the startup, that's what success meant for them. And for terrorism, it was an attack that killed at least one person was classified as a success. Whereas failures Jesus. were attacks that did not claim casualties. Dude, it's a messed up, messed up thing. So what uh, Deshaun Wang did is he looked at an analysis of 776,721 grant applications submitted to the National Institutes of Health from 1985 to 2015. So they looked at a bunch of different studies here, as well as people who uh, were starting, like starting a startup business, as well as terrorist groups. And they found that the average number of failures for those who succeeded were two failures for the National Institutes of Health, 1.5 for startups. So they would fail 1.5 times before they succeeded. And for a terrorist group, they would fail 3.9 times, so almost failed four times before they had a successful terrorist attack. 
And I, the biggest takeaway from this study that Wang found was that if you look at the timing between the failures, we will be able to predict whether they eventually succeed or not. So the, the, the big thing here is failing a lot early, and then as you refine and learn, you fail less as you get, go along. So this kind of, that kind of leads into our second study of, which is like, I failed, what do I do now? What's next? What is freaking next? So, man, I'm going to mispronounce this name. Uh, Shmuel Ellis. Shmuel. Dude, it's S. It's S- Shmuel. Shmuel. Shmuel it's Ellis. Like- S-H-M-U-E-L. Shmuel. It's, a t- it's a tough one. So they looked into something called an after event review. And they did this by running a field experiment with two companies of soldiers in the Israel Defense Forces who were tested for their performance on navigation exercises. So the big difference here was that the two groups, one company had the after event reviews um, during four days, four days of navigation exercises, and they focused only on the mistakes that the soldiers made and how to correct them. And the second company focused on what could be learned from both successes and failures. So two months later, they, they went through two days of these exercises, and the results showed that um, both groups had learned a bunch in the two months. But uh, the soldiers who discussed both failures and successes actually learned at higher rates than the soldiers who did just the failures. So the group who looked at the good and the bad after events did better. It feels like like uh, discussing failures and successes feels like it would be like super beneficial to attitude. I'm, I'm so curious how it actually influences higher rates of learning. Yeah, so soldiers, well, so what they found is that the soldiers in the successes and failures groups uh, appeared to learn faster because they de- developed richer uh, mental models of their experiences than the soldiers who only discuss failures. So they basically like, by looking at not just bad and like being beaten down by only bad things, you're built, you're basically building your brain up better. So they, they did all these, this research and they were like, this is good, but we want more. So they did some more research and they found that when people succeed at a task, they will, instead of thinking about what they did right, they should think about what they did wrong. So it's like, even though you succeeded, like, it wasn't perfect. So like, what are the things that you did wrong? But after you fail a task, it doesn't matter whether you focus on what went well or wrong. Um, do you learn either way as long as you do it like a post-event review? So basically, anytime you do something, you should look back and be like, what did I do right? What did I do wrong? So, so it seems like the most important thing is to do a review after an event, whether it was successful or failure, but per, through the like through a perspective, you can view your failures as a tool. Right. Yeah. So right? it's like, the, yeah, using this after event review, it's going to be really easy to do when you succeed and be like, oh man, like what did I do right? But you should really challenge yourself to do it every time you have like an important event that you're trying to get better at or something that you're trying to like pursue yeah okay that makes sense Hmm. yeah so i know for me personally i i uh i've been playing online chess and there's an ability to look and like review your match and i always want to do it when i win but it is not as much something i want to do when i when i fail um because it's it's kind of hard to look at failures Especially when there's some boneheads in there. Especially when there's some boneheaded blunders, you know? There's some blunders in there that you're like, ah, can't believe <laughs> I did that. Um, but from what they found was that by looking at your failures, you actually will learn more than if you were just looking at your successes. So and, and and if you're really trying you. to succeed, you need to keep that in mind at the end of the day. And I, uh, I have found in my life, at least, it's a lot easier to do this review after a failure than it is a success because after a success i just feel like there's there feels like there's less of a need for a review do you guys have any experience with with this like is it easier for you guys 
Uh, yeah, definitely. I, especially because some successes can feel like not all the time, but sometimes you work really hard for something, but some successes just kind of happen or feel really like natural. And it is almost even like hard to reflect on like how it happened. But yeah, with a failure, I personally have this natural drive and I imagine so many people do Mm -hmm. that you just really don't want to fail. And so I think it's very motivating to have that persistence in thought after you fail. Like, I don't want to end it on this note. I want to end on a success. So that's how it works for me. I will say in basketball, there's nothing I love more than like an imperfect success, like a win where we don't play exceptionally well. Because especially like in reflection with the team, oftentimes if we like play really well, you know, especially high schoolers, they can get all cocky or something like that. Or it's harder to kind of look at our flaws. But when you get a win and then also didn't play very well, it's it's cool to have that success, but then also be able to build off of it. Because it, yeah, because you're in a good mood because you won. Right. But so it's easier to review the bad where if you like lost and you played horribly, like so many people don't want to definitely do an in-depth look in the review. mirror they want to yeah. go and like forget about it i but, would i would rather play bad and lose than play bad and win because hmm. i think if you play bad and win it's really easy to be like well we won yeah true because like that's i don't know man like i i really like to win so it's a lot easy to trick like easier to trick myself and be like ah but we won so it doesn't really matter but it's like it does matter <laughs> I, I think so that is scare me. That is something when you play that, bad and win that scares me. You know, I think I think that's a good point because, like, I think that is a trap that that my teams, but just people in general, can fall into. Myself included, is like, you know, it can be one of those things where if you if you do win and you don't play don't play particularly well, it is easy to just be like, well, we won, and just enjoy that instead mm-hmm. of yeah. So that is a, a very valid point. Do you guys have any experience with failures that you just can't change? Mm. Like maybe you can take information and move forward, but this is like a failure that's like permanent. Yeah. You, you can't, you can't fix it. I mean, I do think mm. like regret kind of goes hand in hand with that idea. And I ha- I don't have a fully formed like thought on regret, but I have like toyed around with like what exactly like regretting a mistake you can't change and can't really learn from uh, what, you know, how, what role that plays, I guess. Chase actually had a really good example of that. I remember it was you had been at school for a year and I was at, right. you had been off at Western. I was still at community college at Green River and um, I was planning on going to school that, um, let's see that it was like I was finishing up it was either summer or spring quarter and it was like next year I'm going to school. Right. And I'm either going to, I'm going to be going to school in the fall. Um, so I remember I had not been really applying myself. Um, and there was a class that I thought I was totally fine. Like I thought for sure, uh, I was going to pass. Right. I think it was like one class that I was a little sketchy on passing and I remember I checked my, and I'd been talking, you know, everybody for months. So like, so what are you doing there? Oh, well in the fall, I'm going to this car. Oh, okay. You know, like been talking about it forever and forever. And everybody knew, everybody thought, you know, I'm like, my parents are like, oh, well you're leaving home and this, you know, whatever. And, uh, I remember the grades got posted and I looked and it was like, you don't get credit for like, you failed that class. And that meant that I was not going to be able to go to college that next quarter that I was going to have. Were you trying to get like your AA or something? I think it was my AA. Yeah. Something. I don't remember the exact circumstances. I just knew that that one class meant that I was going to have to wait like at least an extra six months or something like in a, a very long amount of time, especially for somebody who's like 19. And dang. I remember just being like, just so incredibly disappointed in myself and incredibly frustrated, like brought to tears, just feeling like, how did I fuck this up so bad that like, all I had to do was pass the class. It's not hard to pass a class. And I let this happen. 
And I remember my dad, who I have kind of an interesting relationship with my dad. He's kind of a, a lot of times I feel like he can be really unrelatable because he can be so, like he doesn't, it's so tough. He doesn't like to talk about his feelings or talk about like, oh yeah, no, I understand. I get, you know, this, that or whatever. He kind of just likes to be like, well, you get it done. And if you don't get it done, then like, you know, yeah, I don't know, just internalize it or, you know, whatever. And so I was like, uh, I was like, oh man, like I got to tell my dad this. And he already, there's so many things where he was like, you, you know, didn't approve of me smoking. You know, like when he found me smoking weed, it wasn't a thing of like, let's have a talk and let's talk about weed. It was like, you're fucked up for smoking weed and you need to stop or else there's just going to be punishments. Right. And like, obviously yep. that just drives a wedge. Because then I'm just like, well, my dad doesn't actually care about why I'm smoking weed or like, you know, <laughs> he just like cares strictly about outcomes. Really, that's kind of like the uh, uh, a hallmark is feeling like he cares mostly about the outcomes. Right. And not necessarily about any of the reasons behind it that might be more important. Um, and so I remember I went into his den and I was just like, dad, um... I failed this class and I'm not going to be able to go to school next. Where year. were you trying to go at that point? I don't even know if I had a school in mind. I think Western was, it was Western? where I wanted to go. I think it was Western. I hadn't I remember... even applied yet, though. Okay. I remember you being like, I'm coming to Western. And I was like, hell yeah. Yeah, I, I really wanted to go to Western, but I didn't get accepted into Western because I had a pretty dog shit GPA, too. Um, I'm kind of having that moment you're talking about where you're like, oh, if I could go back, I'm sure I'd get a 4.0. That's kind of where I'm at now. Like since I've been at UW Tacoma, I've, my GPA is like a 3.74 or something. But previous to that, my GPA is like a 2.9 or like a 3.1 or something, you know, like I think my average at Green River was a 2.9. My average at Eastern is like a 3.1, you know, like not good. But I remember I told him that and just like the crushing feeling of just like dude there's no changing this like you are going to have to tell everybody that you're not going to school in the fall now yep you know like and um yeah that was tough and and i remember i told my dad that and of course he was kind of like tried his best to be um like to handle it in the best way but i i still remember like he obviously was not like he wasn't really the adult that I needed in that moment. As in like, mm. I, you know, I could understand if I'm myself or something, you know, I'm a young kid, I'm 19. How am I supposed to know how to handle a situation like this? But him, him being, and I know we're all flawed, but it was, it was tough. I just remember him kind of being like, kind of like, wow. Like, I don't know how, how did this ha- And being like, how did this happen? And I was like, I don't, I just didn't, you know, apply myself and him just being like, jeez, Chase. Oh, you know, kind of like not as in not being like, hey man, this isn't as big of a deal as, as like, I probably needed somebody to be like, I know this is, feels like a huge deal for you right now. I'm here to tell you that in the grand scheme of life, this doesn't affect, like this doesn't speak to who you are as a person this is all going to, in a year from now or two years from now, this isn't going to matter, you know, like. Right. In a couple of years, you're going to be talking about it on podcast. Right. Exactly. <laughs> uh, reliving your most traumatic moments. Um, but <laughs> no, you know, in that moment. Thank you, Strictly Business. <laughs> I just remember that he was pretty much just like, yeah, geez, sounds like you fucked up pretty bad. You know, like didn't help at all in terms of. Just like not sympathetic, like not. I mean, sympathetic, but as in like, I'm like the way that, you know, I might mess up and then try to be sympathetic towards myself as in like truly deep down, I feel like a huge fuck up, but then I'm like, well, you know, Hey, I got to kind of go easy on myself. It felt like he was doing that to me, but externally as in he wasn't coming from a place of like, Oh, Chase is tripping, you know, about this, like being a a huge deal and i i need to help bring him to reality of like hey man like this this doesn't define you this isn't this i know it feels like 
a huge deal because you're young, but like this is gonna you're gonna be past this. It felt like he was thinking in his head, oh geez, Chase really messed up. I don't know how to comfort him because I think he messed mm. up. You know? Yeah. And yeah. uh that was that was just a tough moment, dude. And um I remember that was that was really rough. And I don't think I don't know how I coped with that, but probably wasn't in a healthy way. But ultimately, um, in talking about, like, was it a good thing? Was it a bad thing? I'm not going to say it was a good thing. (laughs) I mean, if I were to go back and look at exactly where that changed me, like look back at that summer or like back at that year. Would you say you had a chance to kind of reflect on it? I had time to reflect on it, but it's just like a lot of hard lessons that if I were to dip my toe into that victim mindset, right? Like, of course, it's good to take ultimate responsibility and just be like, anything that happens in my life, I'm the one who needs to make it happen, which is true. Um, yeah. But if I had to look back, there's still, and just being completely honest about how I feel about it, whether or not I like it or not, there's parts of me that still look back and just say like, man, I sure wish I had like an adult to help guide through those moments right because essentially i had to kind of guide myself being a kid and now that i'm older and i look back on those moments i feel like even me being myself now if i was there for myself back then in that moment i could have given so much wisdom and consolation right these things you're they're going to pass and you're going to look back on them as necessary and um Everybody has to fail in order to reach success and, you know, just different, different things like that. I do. I actually just read a case study and the, the most important thing that to lead to success is failure. Oh yeah. They say if you, if you want to tw- double your rate of success, first you got to double your rate of failure. Yep. It's a tough pill to swallow, man. It's a lot easier said than done. That's for damn sure. I, th- I would challenge you to look, look back at that failure and I think it's, you're going to like get excited because you're going to be like, okay, like that was the start of like a really bad time in my life. But I think a lot of the things that I definitely, I see in you now, um, are not, you're a lot different than you used to be then in a, in a better way. Thank you, bro. I appreciate that. I should reflect back on that exact like time period because there's time periods in my life that it's like, you know, I'm 24. It there, there can be two to three year stretches that you like basically forget. And then you're like, yeah. oh, once once you start getting into the details, do one thing I can say for a hundred percent sure that that experience did give me, that I feel incredibly blessed, is it gave me empathy for other people experiencing that. Like, mm. I know that I'm never gonna be the guy making somebody feel worse about a moment like that because I've experienced it. And guess what? I had to do that to be who I am now. I feel like it's very hard to be a great person without being like at, like failing miserably at some point in your life. 100% dude because Does it even exist? Like do those people exist? <sighs> yeah. It, it failure is definitely a prerequisite for success, man, and it's important. It's important for so many reasons. Like yeah, it's embarrassing, it's not fun and everything. But I'll tell you what, a lot of my relationships have become so much like dude my relationship with my brothers so much some of the moments that have literally been defining moments where we went from like where we have bonded right that have brought it and and like even with my roommate parker over these last six months the moments that have bonded us are not the moments where we're just hanging out having a good time it's the moments where it's like he's like i'm like how's your day going and he's been like dude i'm gonna be honest i've been feeling like really lonely or something and it's like Hmm. damn bro yeah like what like what do you think's been bringing that on well dude i've been feeling i've been feeling this and that and like talking about things that are genuinely kind of like unsavory and embarrassing and the thing is is that ultimately there's a reason why you don't want to tell people right there's a reason why it's a subject that you find yourself avoiding as a friend when somebody tells you something like that it feels amazing because it's like that's so cool that this person is feels so comfortable with me that they can tell me those things and trust that I'll handle yeah. them maturely. I don't, yeah, I don't know why I don't talk about things like that. 
Well, there's an opportunity for introspection there, and I'm not trying to tell Definitely. you what the answer no. is. You know, that's something. Dude, no, for- I, I love, I love hearing feedback like this. Every time in my life something has come up, I've pretty much been able to deal with it by myself. But there will be a time when that's not the case, and then that's when I'm going to need people. And if I haven't like built up that skill, then I'm pretty screwed. <laughs> yeah, I see what you're saying there. That's kind of like in that's kind of like an Ayn Rand way of looking at it, though. As in, like, Ayn Rand said that basically if everybody looks out for their own self-interest, then the enti- then everybody will benefit. I get what you're saying there. I know I know what you're saying, as in you're kind of saying, like, even on a very utilitarian level, if I want that for my future self, right, that when I do face that, that I will have a support network, then it would behoove me to develop that, right? Again, that's like a very cent- like self-centered way of coming to the conclusion that it's worth being vulnerable and and building those connections but um it's valid it's totally valid i'd say the true benefit is creating better relationships with people i feel like the hardest part is like starting the conversation 100 percent, dude i just appreciate you bro i think you know that i appreciate you as well thank you bro this is a great this is a great talk <laughs> this is a really good talk bro <laughs> we just we talked for like like three and a half hours no no not like we started not the recording we started at seven and it's almost 11 okay so it's holy shit oh my gosh it's almost been four hours it blew by We, we covered so many things okay let's stop recording okay i got a's for the most part in high school and to me failing was like okay i got my first b in like my sophomore year, I had mono really bad for six months. And so I got my first B and that like wasn't really that big of a deal because like I was really sick. So I kind of also just like didn't really care. And then, um, but then my junior year, I ended up getting a C in was my junior or senior year. It's my senior year, my senior year of high school. I got a C in AP Calc and that uh, to me for my like a student brain was total failure this is our guest for season four her name is ren and if you've been following along this season you already know she's quite the scholar so big surprise here so i mean i don't know if that counts damn but that that counts you know it's up to you yeah and your personal definition of it because i think that's something that makes us really unique as individuals is I think we all have our own metrics for failure and you know uh somebody who's performing you know not not well somebody who's not performing well in school might consider a C a good grade <laughs> right yeah absolutely but somebody but somebody who has like yeah high standards like yeah a C could be like totally shocking especially depending on what the subject is and how comfortable you are with it I mean AP Calco like ugh <laughs> yeah, gross. I definitely, I took a pre-calc twice in a row <laughs> in right. high school. So I, I, you know, I didn't want to go do the uh, calculus thing. Um, so, I mean, did you have, like in that moment or in the days following, did you find that you had a chance to reflect on that failure? And like, how did that make you feel? My my teacher came up to me because he, he and I knew each other because I had had him a couple times and he basically it was like, Hey, are you wanting to do like any sort of math in college? And I said, no, I'm like, I'm planning on probably being like an English major. And he was like, I think you should drop my class. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, yeah, I was actually going to talk to you about that. Cause that grade was not good. And he was like, I ended up just giving him my textbook right, right then and there. And he was like, it was, you're not bad at math. He's like, I can tell you just don't like it. And there's no reason for you to be in such a like a high level of math if you're not going to do anything with it. And so, um, so I dropped his class, and that was the best decision I ever made in high school. Not maybe not the best wow. decision, but one of them. Yeah, I mean, did it feel good to drop the class? I mean, it felt like it... a failure because I didn't actually finish the year in AP Calc, you know. But then, yeah, like yeah, but then like looking back, it was the best decision like I could have made for myself. I I shouldn't even have taken the class to begin with. And then I think it was one of those things where I just found that 
I didn't have the time or the energy to dedicate to it because I was dedicating my time to the classes that I actually cared about. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, and that, that can be kind of scary, especially if you, at least for me, like I told you, I took pre-calculus twice and yeah. even though I knew that that was the right call because I hadn't actually really solidified my learnings from that class. Yeah, I was pretty I was pretty nervous for how, you know, I was applying to the University of Washington. I was pretty nervous uh, for how they would see that on my transcript. Yeah. And obviously I, I got in. It worked out. But at the time I was definitely really nervous about that. And it, it felt like I, I had doubt whether it was what I should be doing. Yeah. So is that is that kind of like what you're experiencing? I don't think I like there was no doubt in my mind that I didn't that like I did not want to do math. And so I think it was yeah. um, and I and I don't think I thought that not taking it would look bad on my transcript. I think that for me, it was just the grade I already had. How did you move forward? Obviously, did you did you pick up a new class or did you just drop the class entirely? Um, yeah, I dropped the class and I, I had already fulfilled all my math requirements. So basically I could skip physical exercise and art if I just kept my schedule completely academic and that was Mm. my plan and then I dropped math my last semester and they were like oh yeah you don't have like any of these other credits though and I was like fuck so I ended up taking a just an art class I had already taken one art class, so taking the other one fulfilled that requirement. And then I did cross country for three years in high school and then tennis for one. And so they considered that my PE credit. So it helped that I was buds with my um, guidance counselor because he knew my parents. (laughs) After dropping the class, did you actually like find more success? Just in your academic performance? Pottery. So... Yeah, so probably. <laughs> I, well, I don't know. I don't even remember the grade I got in that class. I probably got a B in that class because it sucked and the teacher was a <laughs> bitch. But, uh, <laughs> I mean. In p- pottery? Yeah. Jeez. Yeah, she was a bitch. You know, pottery seems like kind of a zen thing, you know? Yeah, I mean, don't get me wrong. Like, I had fun in it, but she was a really harsh grader for entry-level pottery in high school. And I was, like, a freshman class. I Thankfully, I had there was, like, one other senior in the class, and we weren't necessarily friends, but... Misery loves company, and we were surrounded by these, like, 14-year-olds and just, like, ready to peace out. So, um, (laughs) yeah, but I mean, I don't know. It definitely took a load off as far as, like, I got to focus on my other, like, AP tests and stuff, and I got to do more English stuff, and that was fun, so. Yeah, so obviously you didn't try calculus again. No, and I never will. Honestly, right. there's no reason I, to. I, no reason. No reason. Was there a lesson that you learned in that at all that maybe has helped you reflect on, you know, your day to day and your semester to semester at, uh, at law school? Because obviously, if you take a class and you're not very good at it, you can, you know, it's not the same. You can't really drop it. I think as far as maybe not applicable to classes, but just life where you don't always have to finish everything like it's okay I mean you know it's okay to start a book and be like I don't like this like I'm not enjoying it and I don't want to read it and you can just put it down you know or you can you can start an activity like you can start knitting and be like this is not as relaxing as everybody said it was going to be and I don't want to do it and you can stop and I think that I was definitely always somebody who like saw things to the bitter end and even if the end was like super bitter and so like I think that is one of the lessons I learned that like if you don't have to do something, if you're doing it and you hate it, you can stop. Maybe a good reason to ask yourself, why am I trying to finish this? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's like I'm kind of going through that right now with uh, this book. Uh, you know, we talked about this. Apparently everybody read it in high school. I didn't. But Grapes of Wrath. Mm-hmm. I haven't actively read it in a bit. I've just noticed I've kind of stopped reading it daily because it just. Depressing as fuck. Wasn't, wasn't really doing it for me. Yeah. Honestly, also, like, these just, the way he writes the quotes from the people, I mean, obviously he's trying to reflect the, uh, the dialect, uh, the dialect of the region from whence the characters came. Yeah. But I fucking hate the way those words are spelled out. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) It's just like, (laughs) I don't know why it bothers me so much. (laughs) Yeah, no, it, sometimes the classic stories are just like the worst when it comes to that. You mentioned... 
you know, and I think we all kind of have this where, you know, in a public setting, we might have topics about our lives that we're not comfortable talking about. Yeah. And so, you know, even if you've had failure in areas where you're not comfortable talking about, like reflecting on those without even identifying them. Do you have any just like, do you still struggle with some of those failures? Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, I don't get me wrong. Like I have some pretty big ones in my life that, yeah, I mean, I'm not, ta- I'm not like comfortable talking about them cause they're still super raw, right. you know? Yeah. Like yeah. ask me again into like 10 years. <laughs> okay. I'll put it in my calendar. You know what I mean? Like I, I, it's yeah. not one of those things that like, and there are certain people that I'm like very comfortable talking about things with. So like, it's not, um, universally secret. It's just one of those things where it's right. like some of them, I think definitely like affect my reputation in a way that like, I don't always want people to know. Yeah. I totally understand that. Isn't that kind of a shame that, I mean, everybody fucks up and everybody has like failures or whatever, like whether it's a fuck up or not, it's kind of unfortunate that, uh, these moments can be so character defining in terms of people's perception of who you are as a person. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that's one of the reasons why, like I do keep some of those things pretty close to the best. Yeah, I I totally understand that. I'm I'm the same way. Yeah. Do you just have any like feelings about these serious failures in general? Like, are they, are they something that, is it this kind of amorphous thing that you're just trying to navigate and get through? Is it something that you feel like, you know, one day, like, this won't be the failure that I see it is today. No. No. No, a couple of them I'm thinking of will always be, like, very big defining moments in my life of when I 100% failed. Hmm. And I think even just reflecting when I'm still, like, like I said before, pretty raw about them, I think that I like to remind myself that it could have been a lot worse Um, or that I could have fucked up even worse. Um, and that like, you know, I'm still here today. We're still chugging along. Like that's, I think the moral of the story is that like, maybe not however bad, but to a very extreme extent, no matter how bad you fuck up, like you're still here, you know, like you can still move past it. And that like, as long, I mean, again, to a certain degree, like those things don't necessarily define you. Would you say that you could just like no matter how bad you fuck up, you can still just like learn and improve. From mm, that. I don't know if I agree with that hundred percent. No, I don't know. Okay. I mean, again, it just like really depends on like what exactly it is, you know, cause mm-hmm. I don't know. I think, and I think my opinion of that has been, uh, altered from being in, in law school. Yeah. Cause like, Oh, okay. I don't know. I mean, like if you fuck up bad enough that you get in trouble with the law and end up in prison for 20 years to life, I mean, yeah, I guess you can continue to live and move on from it, but like also not really. Uh-huh. Like I do think that in right. like with failures, you do have to pay the piper. Like I think that consequences are a huge part of life and as much as I hate that, like it's just the truth, you know? And I think that's an important thing. So Okay. Uh Sam, welcome in to the podcast. Thanks. Here's our host Ben talking with our guest for season four, Sam. Sam, guess what we're talking about today? I I, th- I feel like I'm gonna fail at guessing the the um pr- like the prompt of this question. Well, you know what, Sam? Even if you guess wrong, there's there's you know it's only your pride that's at stake. Why is that? And as well, because you know there's there's no ramifications of you uh, failing. Ben, I'm trying than... to set you up to answer that it's about failure. I know. I was dragging it out, Sam. I was going to teach some lessons about failure. Oh, I didn't have the patience. Before I mentioned that we were talking about failure, I was going to mention how you could learn from your from your wrong guess. I and had maybe no, like I had no patience. Learn for to make that. better guesses in the future. I it was no, it was this whole thing, I Sam. Had no and it was a great setup, but you you ruined the setup by by interjecting. Hey, man, I failed, and now I learned the lesson. I did your job for you. Yeah. So a moment I failed drastically. Being being afraid, I guess. To uh, do yeah. the things you need to do to make the right next step for yourself. Um, that's what where my a lot of my failures have been. Um, okay. Uh, is there is there a specific moment you can relate that back to, or is it just kind of an overarching repetitive failure? I would say a good good part of my 
uh, my teen years and 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 early twenties, and then probably to some extent now even. But um, I, I think we all can relate to that for sure, or yeah. at least I can. I, I guess I can't speak for everyone. Yeah, you shouldn't. I think like comparison of myself to others, and I guess that's mm-hmm. can be fit in, but also fear of like making the wrong decision which right i feel like i did anyway um or like um fear to you know uh again i kind of hate this term kind of like phrase it but like make my own path you know of being like oh well this is what i'm gonna do um and then so kind of the fear of venturing out on my own and doing what it is that i want to and need to can you think of a singular moment where you know you you were afraid to make the wrong choice or you were afraid to you know create your own path i think one thing would have been uh like traveling abroad more and okay when i was younger rather than like going to spend like two different two separate winters in Colorado where like the first mm. time was like cool because I was like there and I was going on like a road trip every two weeks um, for yeah. like five months or something. And sometimes that road trip would be like three days and sometimes it would be like two weeks. Yeah, uh, that doesn't sound too bad. No, that that was pretty cool. Um, but just kind of that like aimlessness at the time, right, which I okay. feel like I still have to a, to a large degree. But then, like, the next year I went back, I, like, don't know why, again, to use another very, like, cliche term, like, in in that place where I was in Colorado, in that town, like, I felt like I was, like, uh, a square peg. <laughs> and right. that town was, like, a, a circle or whatever. And it was just, like, they were all super outdoorsy people, physical-based, if that makes sense, well, where I'm, like, uh. in my head and, like more creative or whatever. And all those right. people were very practical. And like, I did not fit into them, fit in with them in the slightest. And I don't even like talk to any of those people anymore. Huh? I regret that I didn't make a better, like a decision to do something else. But uh, again, I mean, I feel like I, I learned too late. What did you learn? I don't like the outdoor community. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I'm part of the outdoor community. Well, <laughs> Have you ever said we were friends? Ouch. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> uh, no, no, it's just, um, I feel like, yeah, I, I know what you mean. And like, but I don't know. Um, with that, though, like, I don't know. I, I feel like I think in terms that I try to, like, not think of, but I find myself thinking them in some ways. Like, I think find myself thinking in terms of that I really don't like. There in that town, it was small and you're like rewarded for being like outgoing and like there's like um this sense of like um i don't know it's it's all just judgment from me but like where it's like look at like how like funny and like original we are like we brought these wigs on our rafting trip and now we're drinking rainiers <laughs> you know and like yeah but then like those are like the same people like you just see them and they're just all wearing their fucking patagonia jackets and it's like oh cool uh i don't know and like the people's personalities are like i climb and like i ski and like that's it i'm gonna ask you to take it a step further because i don't think you're only the only reason you regret doing this is because you hung out with outdoor bros um but like what would you say overarchingly was like a lesson that you learned holy shit there's just this like massive bunny Sorry, what was your question? Okay. I so just went across overar- the lawn. Whoa. What overarchingly did you learn through this these experiences or this experience? Because I'm assuming it goes deeper than you just not liking outdoors people. Yeah. Um They're all pretty like we're like pretty like sexist and homophobic. No. <laughs> Same we're we're going past the outdoors people. So yeah, I know you mentioned the the lack of direction, it seemed like. Um was that maybe uh-huh. something that you got more clarity on after doing this? I I just think I should have traveled and then I feel like I should have there's other things I could have been doing that I would have been more beneficial to me, but now but now um 
it's not too late to do those things but by any means. I'm only 26. Like, it's not too late to do those things, but I feel like those are things to do slightly easier when you're younger uh, than, like, it, for me personally, they were easier. They would have been easier in my earlier 20s rather than my, like, mid going towards later 20s. So how did that, like, change the way you, like, looked at different situations moving forward? Like, how did that experience change the way that you move forward and made decisions regarding similar things? I am still, in a to some degree, still learning or, like, unlearning those those things. That makes yeah, sense. for sure. Um, but can you think of any, like, for example, you know, you later on lived in Bellingham. You're, you know, you've lived in Alaska, like you have traveled since then. Like, how has it influenced your future decisions like that Colorado experience? I don't know. I, I kind of have this thing that I always think that I know is not true um, of like. I, I just want to go someplace for the first time. And I like want to live someplace and just not know anybody. Uh, just so I can like just kind of give myself a fresh start. But I know that that's not necessarily the best approach. And I know just just by going somewhere doesn't mean that that's going to happen. You know, um, like I right. you can't you can't kill the past. Like um, I always envision by leaving and like moving someplace where no one will be. I'll just be able to forget, you know, and I can just like really start new and I can be a little seed and pour water and let myself grow. And then um, but. But I know that's not true because you can't, you know, escape it in a, in a sense. Right. What role has failure played in, in your life? What role has failure played in my life? One thing I feel like I don't do well sometimes is learn from failure. I find myself failing and then I'm like, okay, I need to change and be better. And then I do the exact same thing again. And I'm like, I'm an idiot. And then... um. And then it just keeps happening over and over. And I'm like, yeah. that's with me. Um, but uh, I feel like I'm to find the solutions to those issues, like, or something that I try to address. And uh, I feel like I've been in a little bit more of that, but we'll see. I don't know. Yeah. Um, just got to declutter my life a little bit. <laughs> So is there ways that you found to, uh, like, have you gotten better at learning from your failures as life has gone on? Are there ways uh, that you've found that work to ensure that you learn from your failures? Um, I think if I have, it's been very recently. Right. Um, and um, has to do more with... Um, Less impulse, being less impulsive. <clears throat> less impulsive and less reactionary. I don't have an example, but... One thing I really like about goals is like, you know, I would do the same thing to an extent, right? Like I would want to say that I... Or I would say that I wanted to eat healthier. And then I like wouldn't do anything about it. I wouldn't write it down or anything like that. And then a couple months would pass and I would realize, oh, wait, I wanted to do this thing. Um, and I never did it. And so what goals has helped me with is like writing it down and seeing it every week. Like I, I am reminded every week that it's something I want to do and I can either be, be lazy and not do it, or I can realize like, it's not that important. And you know, that's why I'm not doing it. Right. Do you, do you see failure as being beneficial or like something to strive for, I guess? No, but I mean, I feel like I did not to strive for, but I feel like it's a byproduct of like doing anything mm. so yeah so i think you should it's an expectation if anything i feel like failure as an abstract concept it's such a, like a theme in like movies and books but i f find it oddly unrelatable oddly relatable unrelatable unrelatable really why is that um just because it's like an abstract concept in a sense um and then how I guess the I, what I find unrelatable is the like pulling yourself up from it and learning and having it be like, I mean, I get it, but also, I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. I think 
I certainly see failure as being beneficial for that sense and like the ability to rebound from failure and from adversity, like I think goes a long way towards like well-being for sure. Yeah, no, I I do. But I just, yeah, I don't know. It's kind of hard. Yeah, yeah. I don't have anything to add. I see what you mean. So you all, you just heard from our our lovely, lovely, I'm going to take that back. So you just heard from our amazing guests. And don't forget lovely. Our lovely and lovely, guests. lovely and amazing. Great guests. And you uh you probably thinking, wow, that was a great episode. But uh we're not done yet. We're gonna we're gonna give you a real life example of when all three of us failed collectively together as strictly business. And it was the Discord group that we tried to start. Let me let me just say there's been more than one time, many more. This has been right. the biggest, the biggest but flop. And this is just the biggest, the biggest flop we've had yet. So the premise, yeah, the premise of this failure was that we wanted to start an online community that basically reflects what we do each week because Jacob, Ben, and I, we each week are sharing our goals for last week. How did we do on the goals last week? And what are our goals next week? We tried to start this community on discord where other people would join the discord and each week share their goals and their successes and failures and there were boards for different types of discussions uh motivational or otherwise and that was what we wanted to do it was it was a dream you know yeah and uh it was definitely my idea to put it on the discord on discord instead of like a facebook group and that definitely did not help things it started strong we were all doing it we were getting our friends to join. They were posting their goals. We were posting our goals. It seemed like momentum was going well. Well, we we had this whole thing too. We were on it for a couple of weeks. Like we yeah. text our friends like reminders on the weekends. Like, don't forget to review, you know, and Post set your goals, goals for next week. And it was cool for a bit. Yeah, there's some there's some gas to it. Um I think did it take Ben some time to get on the Discord in the first place? I mean, it's it's it, like probably like a week. Okay, and and Ben was sold when he got on it. Yeah, he liked it. Yeah, we, we all liked it, and then we I don't know, like kind of lost interest. Like just fizzled out. We we fizzled out. I've, like I feel like we were fizzling out just as much, if not more, than the people on the Discord. <laughs> We had to keep like, you know, at least like Keaton had to text his his friends to remind them to to post on there. Like we, there was a good amount of upkeep. So I do, you know, I think the fizzling was close, but but yeah, I think uh once we fizzled out, that was the final the final cough, nail in the coffin, if you will. Yeah, because it came it, it came to us having to ask that question is like why do we keep telling ourselves it'll work if we're we ourselves are not posting every week? keeping up with it and just just like you guys said like that was that was it it's like man if we don't want to do it (laughs) how would these people ever want to do it and i don't know i think i think it's difficult to navigate no matter what platform you're doing something like that on i think that there has to be natural motivation uh some kind of reward for these people to be doing that and at least the implementation as it stood with discord was there really wasn't much reward for these people and the different various groups of people on the discord weren't finding naturally finding ways to connect with each other and relate to each other and i think that that's a huge and necessary component yeah i think we kind of looked and we're like we did a a post event post event review and we were like what went wrong here and i don't for me personally i found that like yeah we just need more people need more like personal touch. Yeah. Yeah, they do. And also some people it turned out we had that strict policy to keep in mind. We were really, really encouraging people to go with our uh, five goal system. Yeah. And one thing that we noticed in that was a fair amount of people on the Discord experienced pretty high burnout pretty fast with the goal setting. And it was interesting because I think we probably could have done a better job explaining, trying to explain what we've learned through goal setting each week. 
And one thing that we've learned is goals can be whatever you want them to be. They don't have to be this high benchmark, like, you know, don't expect yourself to finish a novel or half of a novel in a, in a week if that's not what you're naturally inclined to do. So I, I, I noticed that as well was people were saying, like really just burning themselves out, like working <laughs> too hard across these five goals. And that was definitely I think that opened my eyes, at least I think all of our eyes in in terms of. I th- I think this is our system, but maybe other people like maybe at the bottom of the at the end of the day, you want people to be setting goals, but creating a strict protocol for five specific goals each week. Maybe that's too limiting. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, we we just assumed what would work for us would work for others. Yeah, and, and that's uh, not the case. We learned our freaking lesson. Yeah. So we ditched Discord. It's gone. Yeah. So it's we, still uh, there. It's still there, I'm sure. It's still there. Yeah, you can still go post your goals if you want. But I mean, <laughs> by all means, do it. But, uh, <laughs> no, don't do not do it. Don't do, do it. it guys. Do well, it. I challenge you to do it. No, listener. it's a bad idea because nobody else is there. And you're not going to get the support and community you want if you go do it. But that is one thing we're still trying to do. We're trying to kind of recoup and figure out how can we, the next time we attempt this, how can we format it in a way that does naturally motivate people and make them feel better about their lives? Because that's the key component is they they have to they have to feel like they're getting this benefit, like their life is improved by using this. That's the the third and final case study of failure and how to learn from it. And yeah. it was a little bit personal. Um, but I think just to to wrap up here, I think the, the three main things to take away are you're going to fail a lot whenever you try to achieve your goals. Um but instead of looking at it like the second is instead of looking at it like it's a bad thing, it's actually a good thing. And every time you fail, you're going to learn more than when you succeed. Just naturally. And after any time you succeed or fail, it's important to have that post event review to look back and remind yourself, hey, like. What went wrong? What went well? What can I improve on moving forward? And I think maybe the challenge that I would put out and I I'm going off the cuff right now, so excuse me. But I think I think the challenge I would put out is find a way to like automate this or like find a tool. And I don't even know. Like I don't there's no tool that I know of. Um, But like for me, when I have a tool to do this, like, for example, like Rocket League, there's like you can save replays. So like that is a super easy way for me to look back and like review my performance. Maybe find a way to like, is it like a journaling practice? Maybe like do some sort of habit tracking. Some sort document. of habit tracking with your friends an accountability group. I don't know. Or like Gosh. a document that's on. available and shareable called the habit tracker where you can review and make notes on your successes and oh, failures yeah. day ben, by day. Ben, what is that? Oh, it's uh, just some, a document called the habit tracker. Uh, hmm. that actually you can go day by day insert notes into an Excel document or a Google Sheets document. Um, can you can you review do, when you succeed and fail? Uh, on your, yeah, you can. Oh. That sounds great. How do I get that? Yeah, so just uh, go ahead and hit us up on social media or email us at one of our emails um, and we can send that <laughs> email on. Email us at strictlybusinessthepod at gmail.com. It's down in the show notes. All right. Email us at strictlybusinessthepod at gmail.com uh, and we can send that on over to you. I didn't even so, plan for that to be a plug and it worked beautifully. So reach out. We, we want to hear from you if you want to improve the way you fail. <laughs> if you want to fail better, we got your back. We got you. Strictly business all the way for you. 100 years, strictly business. Ben. Cut. Oh, Ben needs to play us out. I forgot. No, we'll just skip it. Ben, yeah, just skip it. Just skip it. Dub in some music or something. Cut. Cut. Problems go running from me. Expression taking all my money. Long shot, I'm invested in me. Light search for opportunities. Golden era stay schooling me. I hear the buffoonery. Silence, keynotes, and eulogies. Meditate, you think it's funny. Escalate, elevate, conscious fun.
money. Success keeps finding ways to run from me. Run from me. Run from me. Tag it, that was punny. That was punny. That was punny. Only been running for a minute now. And I've been thinking about